welcome everyone to another edition of Living Courageously Exposed, hosted by Big Inside Out Adventures and yours truly, Jennifer J. Saunders, my friend, Tommy J. I am so excited to be here today with another amazing person. My life is to be filled with all of those. And today I'd like to introduce you to Odian Welsh. Did I say that correctly? You did. Uh, in Canada, we have a movie theater called Cineplex Odeon, except there's an E. And so I say I was here first, so there's an I. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I was here first. You're the, the Odeon Welsh. Yeah. So Odeon actually is a public speaker. She's a coach. She's a financial advisor or has been. Um, and she's an author. She um, also showed me that she is really good at hiring people. And uh, I'll let, I, I won't tell you much about that. If, if she wants to talk about it, we'll let her do that. But um, I had the opportunity to talk with Odeon last week and learn a little bit about the amazing soul that she is and the things that she's up to. And I felt like she has some things that you guys would really benefit from. And so, Odeon, let's just get right into this. And uh, first of all, thank you for sharing time with us today. And so let's just start off with why don't you tell us a little bit about Odeon as a younger talk? Okay. Well, first, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited. You're actually my first American podcast. And so it's super cool to be on an American podcast about being courageous and just going out of your shell. So, yeah. And so I love that you're doing that because we're all kind of going into our shells nowadays instead of coming out of them. I agree. Um, so me as a child, I was annoying. <laughs> like everyone will tell you, I was the annoying kid because I wanted the attention. I swore I was supposed to be Mariah Carey. Like I still think I'm supposed to be Mariah Carey. <laughs> I love it. Right? And Mariah, if you're I, listening. Yeah. And I was like this, and I loved Superman. And so um my family, like my mom wasn't, my mom was there, but she wasn't there. There was some things that were happening. And we had a lot of freedom growing up. So I came from the age where like you came back in the house when the lights went off. Right. So you'd come home after school, you'd watch Young and the Restless because somehow <laughs> at that time it was children appropriate. And then you'd go outside and play. And, but I also wanted like that adult attention a lot, especially like the male attention. So if any uncles were over anything, I'd be like, look what I learned and imitate something I saw on TV. Yeah, but I really like Mariah Carey and superheroes were my thing. And we had, um, actually, so very few people know about this. We had this back door and we had a back door here and like the front door here. And there was this like random hallway that perfectly connected the back and front doors of these townhouse. And for some reason, everywhere had carpet, but that strip. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't. I can right? almost envision what's coming. Right? And so whatever Superman was coming on, I'd be like, Superman, and I'd stand on one side and put socks on and run to the other and like <laughs> wail myself into the door and, and I'd like get hurt every single time, but it wouldn't matter. I was like, I want to be Superman. Right, and, folks, you heard it first right here on Living Crazy Six Tools, one of her. Yeah, so don't hold secrets. it against me. Like there might be some brain damage. <laughs> I think I went into the door hard a couple times mm. and I have a twin brother. And he's very smart. Like he was like two points from Mensa kind of thing. Right. But every once in a while, if he knew it was happening, he'd go out through another door <laughs> and hold that door open right when I was coming through. So then I'd like topple out that. Oh, <laughs> oh it's kind of like Charlie Brown, you know, the, and the football holding. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I just. Totally. And okay. we were very competitive with each other. So it was like we both always wanted attention coming from a single mom. Right. And it was, but it was like different types of attention. So he'd be like, I got an A in all of my report card classes. And I'd be right. like, um, I'm going to dance and sing. <laughs> <laughs> so we yeah, all, we all have our talents, right? Yeah. Mine was definitely not my report card in elementary <laughs> school. <laughs> did that change as you got older? Like, did you, what was school like for you? You know what? School was really hard for me. Because I felt like I was stuck in a funk because I, my family immigrated to Canada. And so I was born a couple years later to a younger parent. And so there was a lot of pressure on me that wasn't directly said all the time, but it was expected that I was either going to become like this engineer or I was going to make lots of babies. 
right? And so with school, that wasn't happening. Like I just wasn't grasping it. And um, it almost became like this thing where it was like, that was my brother's identity. And even though like, it's interesting, we now we encourage it a lot more. But when I was growing up, kids having their own identity wasn't a thing. Right. Kids right. were supposed to be whatever their parents told them to be. And they were like this little mini version of them. Right. And but I, it wasn't my thing. And like, so I would get angry and I'd struggle and then I wouldn't try. And oh. the only classes that I would excel in were English and social. So we always knew I'd get like an A in English social and everything else would be like just passing. Gotcha. Oh, and gym class <laughs> and music class. <laughs> right. That's right. You got to get the important ones in there. Right. It's just, and it, it's interesting because um, I had asthma growing up and I had health problems growing up too, but I still loved being in gym class. And That's really cool though, that you, that you loved it. And you were, even with those things, you were willing to give it effort. And like, yeah. So and it was uh, like, I did like track. And even though I was like huffing and puffing because of my asthma it really was like an outlet for me for like any kind of child emotions and energy. Like even it didn't matter that like I would get picked last, I would just do my own thing. And so, um, with school that, that course kind of continued. Um, I ended up with, uh, more health problems in junior high. So gym kind of went down and you're a girl and gym class was awkward. I didn't hit puberty till grade 12. (laughs) So all the girls have like their little sports bras and I was like, I don't even have nipples yet. <laughs> right? right? Yay to the late bloomers. <laughs> right? You know, and everyone's like, oh, my period. And I was like, what's a period? Like, right. And well, class became awkward. Yeah, right? I, I actually oh, appreciate you bringing that up because, you know, there are a lot of people who experience that and the trauma of being a late bloomer and, have carried that, you know, into different parts of their lives. And, you know, if we've got young ones listening, hey, it's okay. It's okay yeah. to be a bloomer and, and to be able to have your thing. It's okay if they never come too. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's almost a blessing. You yeah. can get up the stairs without like holding up all this extra weight. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was one thing I was really excited for is to not have to have all that. <laughs> right? You're like, you know, and then that there there becomes like so if you are late bloomer you're never in trouble for your bra strap showing right right, right. there's point i like him i like him a lot so you said that you had you had um you know some asthma some things like that now you and i have talked about uh some experiences that you got to have as a younger child um that do you feel like the, and let's let's go into that like you shared an experience with me of being about a seven-year-old do you feel like the asthma and some of these other things uh, were a part of, um, I'm going to let you say what it is because I don't want to break the secret <laughs> of, of that. Or do you feel like they were separate things altogether? Um, just go ahead and let us know. Like, So the about. secret that she's talking about everybody is that um, I suffer from depression and anxiety. Okay. And cool. it's interesting because like technically the book says I'm over it, but I don't think you're ever over depression and anxiety. I think it's a learning lesson because I can catch, I call them like the evil clouds kind of creep it in. Like, Hey, I'm getting in there and I have to be like, stop superpower. Like <laughs> now really quickly, what book are you talking about? Sorry. Oh, sorry. My book. Yeah. yeah um, she has a book. I have a book, you guys online. It's a bestseller. Um, it's called breakthrough, a courageous true story of depression and anxiety. And I probably should have one right beside me. And apparently I don't. That is hilarious. They're always right beside me. (laughs) So I can run away, but. Well, and today we're talking about living courageously exposed. And we have to tell you people like, because part of that is being, I feel like really honest. And Odie and I have had all kinds of issues today getting this podcast started. (laughs) And we. Like every time. And I think that's why the book is like literally. Right. On the other side of the room. (laughs) Yeah. And and so I'm just going to like put this out there really quickly is. We may get to come to you in two different episode episodes of this because of scheduling and things like that. And uh, so if that happens, we'll just let you know. But uh, <laughs> if you've got this kind of stuff going on in your life, just giggle. Go with the flow yeah. and, and keep moving. So Because you never that. know what's going to happen. Like, we thought right? we had this all under control. And it was like, but what I like about it, Odian, is yeah, you don't have the book there. And you know what? I don't have a copy yet either, which I'm looking forward to, by the way. 
Yeah. Um, is it's given me an opportunity to know you in a different way than I thought that I might. And it's a way that I really appreciate. And so again, people yeah, you know, I, no, go ahead. Sorry, I'm gonna pick up. I listen to this. Um, I, I love going in the morning. I try to make sure that I, um, I can't say I do it every day. I do it like 90% of the time. I'll grab like a five to 10 minute inspirational video and listen to it while I'm doing my morning thing Love just it. to kind of get different feedback, make sure I'm in the right mindset. If I woke up and like, Mah. right. And um, there was somebody on one of them and he said, we have to stop calling problems, problems. Cause if we keep calling Amen. them problems, they're going to stay problems. He's like, we need to call them opportunities. And yes. that's exactly what it is. So all of our, problems so to speak were actually opportunities to get to know each other more to get to see how we react when like life's like poop in the shoot um and so yeah it's not like we we get especially so like i have the type of anxiety i have for anyone who's never who's never met me is globalization so i make everything like a hundred times worse than it is like i'll be like the world's gonna end and it literally could just be like my burnt my toast (laughs) gotcha and so um, I had to train myself to see it as positive. So when something new was coming up or something that was like essentially like a new situation or something I couldn't control, mm-hmm. I had to train myself to see the positive, the best case scenario. So now sometimes people think I'm like this walking care bear because I'm like, and then it's going to raise millions of dollars and a parade's going to happen. And they're like crying in the corner. Right. So she said, I'm just to recap that globalization anxiety is, is what you get to experience or have experienced in the past. Yeah. Um, so we were taking you back to a small child because I asked you earlier if you, if you kind of knew where it came from or where it may have stemmed from. And you mentioned an experience um, in your childhood. Do you mind going back to that? Yeah. So um, my godmother passed away and my, I was about seven to nine. And my godmother was like the coolest human being, you know, they're like, and they're like ants, right? Like you do no wrong, that kind of thing. And I didn't even know she was sick. So I kind of understood death from soap operas, probably not the best learning platform, but I knew like, you know, something would happen. They'd go away. They wouldn't come back unless it was days of our lives and stuff. You know, always come back from the dead. You know, right? Right. I haven't watched that in years, but even you just saying that totally brought back memories. Right? Apparently they finally killed him off like five years ago. But you knew he would die and he knew he would come back next year. Like, right. that's how it happened. And so it was close to Christmas and I would like, you're a kid. So like, you don't know the concept of time. So I don't know Ooh. if it was weeks or whatever, but I'd call and leave a message like, hey, I haven't had a sleepover for a long time. I wanted to come sleep over. Because I used to sleep over at her house regularly. Ooh. And she was in a wheelchair and she was the coolest person. Like, I just remember her always being happy. She was in this wheelchair and she'd like put us on her laps and spin us around. And (laughs) I didn't know, I never fully felt that she was playing with me any differently because of her wheelchair. She always made me feel like I was part of the crowd. And so I'm calling her, I'm calling her, I'm calling her. And I'd always like sneak the phone because that was when like landlines existed. So if you're trying to make a phone call, you'd have to be like, yeah. <laughs> you know, your little seven-year-old not asking for permission. You're like, I'm gonna call because you're being mean to me. Like, I'm gonna call right. my aunt. <laughs> so let's just clarify this for those of you who might be listening who don't know what landlines are. <laughs> these were phones that were attached to the wall, yeah. the little unit, and they actually had a cord on them. However, they did have cordless. Yeah, they did. Unit. And because you could have multiple phones that all use the same number, someone could pick up another phone right. and listen in. I did that to my brother multiple times, <laughs> but, uh, so I'd be calling like, you know, Hey, we haven't had a sleepover. Hey, I want to tell you about how much Halloween candy I got. And she wasn't getting a call back. And I was starting to get very angry with her. Like, I was like, why is she not calling me back? Like right. what's happening here? And so this happens and this happens. And one day I'm calling and I got caught and I was like, what are you doing? And I was like, and I called her Auntie Carla and I said, I'm calling Auntie Carla because you're mean to me and I want to go there for Christmas. Like I'm just having that little kid. Like I know everything and you don't know anything moment. And I remember my mom just getting like really upset and leaving the room. So I have a a quick question. Did you attend her funeral? No. So so that was even more disconnect. Yeah. So it was like, 
she she comes in and um, for about six years of my life, I had a stepdad and he passed away and which caused more issues. But at the time, I hear my mom like whispering, don't really know what's going on. I, it's kind of blurry because I was a kid. And all of a sudden, me and my brother have to sit in this room. And she's like, you're um, she's like, I need to let you guys know that like Carla's passed away. She was sick. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what do you mean? She's supposed to call me back. Like we have plans. And I asked for a pony for Christmas. And I remember being like this cynical, like kid. And my mom was like getting upset. Like she's, uh, she's emotionally upset. She's lost somebody and she's trying to tell her children. And there's me being this like, no, that's not right. <laughs> and I remember her like not being able to handle those emotions and getting angry at me. Like, you're not listening to what I'm saying. She's never calling you back. And it was when she said that, that like, even just like now I kind of, my eyes get watery because that was when I realized it. I was like, what do you mean? Is it, is it like how this person just passed away on <laughs> like whoever it was? And she's like, yeah. And I was so mad. I was like, why didn't anyone tell me she was sick? That kind of thing. But um, in my, when I grew up and in my family, you don't, children didn't need to know about those types of things, right? They don't, um, anybody who's a minority will really understand this. When you're a child or they think of you as a child, like like adult things, you don't need to know about, you don't need to understand that kind of thing. And I was, and you're just supposed to get over it. So I remember I locked myself in my room and for like three days, I was not getting out. I was not eating nothing. And I love food. (laughs) Ah, So something was really wrong. Yeah. And I was like very upset. And I remember them like leaving to go to the funeral and they're like, this isn't a place for kids. And so I didn't get to do that. So here was this person who was this big part of my life, right? Like in my head, I had like, she was the person and now she's gone. And I didn't, it was just like, poof. You know, like, like what happened? I, I can't even imagine, like, as a child, like, I remember having important people, like, grand, great-grandparents and stuff pass away, and, yeah. um, I, I mean, I, I went to their funerals, and I, it still doesn't quite, at that age, um, really resonate. I can't imagine not having the closure or any kind. Yeah. What a, what a disconnect and confusing um, time that would have been. And I like at that point, that was when I really started feeling like my emotions weren't okay. Okay. Like I kind of got over it. And in the back of my mind, she was still there. Like I still think about her lots, but that's probably like grade two at the time. We'll say grade two. And then I kind of went back to being this kid, but I always like, as much as I like gym class and stuff, I always just felt out of place because I was a little bit of a tomboy, but I wanted to wear dresses. So I wanted to go play in the park, but I wanted to wear my dress. And <laughs> I my, didn't ever want to wear a dress. <laughs> I love dresses. <laughs> and my family, like my brother, he'd get to go on like fishing trips or they'd take him to do like boy stuff. And right. then I'd get put in the kitchen. And I never wanted to be there. Like I was like, this is boring. This is gross. Like, right. uh, and so. So I felt this feels like this continuing of heaping on of like yeah. that your emotions don't matter, but maybe you don't matter. Yeah, like this is what you're supposed to do. Go do it. And okay. so when at the end of grade six, so I was transitioning into grade seven, which here is our junior high. So that's like a big like you're going to the big leagues. Right. And uh like secondary school. And so my stepdad passed away. So the only person I ever knew as a father who came into my life in about kindergarten grade one now passed away. And I didn't know he was sick again. Oh, how hard. (laughs) Right? Well, the worst was I literally just got back from Disneyland (laughs) to find out that he passed away. Like I got sent to Disneyland as a distraction. Right. And then this happened. And so... It wasn't the thing is though that's when I really learned to push everything deep down inside because my mom became very unstable. Okay. Right. My mom, I love my mom to bits. She drives me bat poop crazy. Like I can't describe how crazy she drives me. But my mom doesn't handle death in any way, shape, or form. Right. She doesn't wear like regular coping. So my mom shut down. And there was a lot of drama at the time because he 
hadn't officially divorced his ex-wife yet, even though he'd been living with us for like six years. Like there was just that, all the ex-wife issues. And she was like at our doorstep, knocking, taking everything. And my mom like was like helpless. Like said, well, I have this will. And I remember her like coming and like putting his clothes in garbage bag and like taking everything. And so devastating. Like, and like her kids that I like grew up to think like we're, we're friends, were helping their mom with this. And it became this like fight. And that was the first time I really saw how death can break out the worst in people. And, you know, at the funeral, they're arguing over ashes. And like, I had to put on this mask and protect my mom. So I remember running up and being like, you're mean and kicking this lady and being like, give it back to her. And like not not feeling like I could cry because if I started to cry, my mom would be upset. Right. So me and my brother both, yeah, me and my brother both developed this like we have to be strong in our own ways and we had to grow up really fast. Right. So sometimes I feel like not letting children express their emotions can cause depression in ways we don't expect. Because they ne- they don't feel like it's okay to cry. They don't feel like it's okay. So they start burying like things deep inside of them and not talking about it. And it becomes this like overwhelming, who can I talk to? No one understands me. I feel alone. Right. So and that's something like, with the book I wanted to do is make sure people didn't feel alone. Uh, I love it. And I, I can't wait to hear more about that. But this thought keeps coming to my head. I was talking with another, and this is a little bit of vulnerability for me. Um, I, you know, I people how do we say this people of color of of um a minority race like how how do you i don't have a ton of experience with that so how how do i address that you know um, what it's i mean the politically correct thing but i want to do what feels right for you um but yeah I, I, don't you're politically correct like that's, that's <laughs> what i think screw you know so many people it's funny because people are politically correct about all these things, but they're the things that they shouldn't be politically correct about. Right. Okay. So, that makes me feel better because I kind of feel the same way. Yeah. Like, um, and I, I was just, I'm mixed. So my mom is black or African American or whatever you want to use if we're going to be politically correct. Right. Say she's black. <laughs> and my dad is white. Like my, well, I call him my sperm donor. My sperm donor is right. white. Right. <laughs> And so I grew up with very different family dynamics. My mom has always dated white guys, um, that kind of thing, right? So I got to, you know, listen to reggae music, Caribbean music, but I also listened to country music. Right, gotcha. Still don't like country. (laughs) (laughs) And so they have these things and there's different things that I got to experience in both cultures. And so right now my hair is in braids. Which I love, by the way. Thank you. Um, and people will come up to me and they'll say, can I touch your hair? Or they'll just touch it. And I, it's interesting because they'll ask permission for that, but they won't inquire about something I'm doing that they don't understand. Right. Right. So instead of that, they're Googling it and Google is whatever Google wants to be instead of just asking. And we coin these things, like ask me what race I am. Ask me, because I'm not going to be offended unless it's like you're pushing. Then I get offended. Like if I say, you know what, I'm Canadian. I don't want to have this conversation kind of thing. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, where are you from? I could really be from Canada, 20 roots. Like, yeah, you know, like it doesn't matter where my background is from if I was born in Canada. Right. Right. And so we think it's that, but instead of saying, you know what, black families, white families, Asian families all have different practices that affect us differently and cause us to either be offended by different things or do different practices. And until we have the guts to say to someone, hey, why do you do that? We're not going to know. Instead, we point fingers. Right. So, um, for example, I'll give you this. This is the craziest example to me. So even though I avoided the kitchen, even though I was trained in the kitchen, I would find ways out of it. Like I would intentionally cut vegetables the wrong way because there's a right wrong way. 
So I'd get kicked out. I would annoy them. Like, oh, what is this wrong? And I'd get kicked out of the kitchen. And so I didn't know until I was older, but Caribbean families wash their meat. But when they get it from the grocery store, they wash it. And they don't wash it with like dish soap. There's like, it's like a special like lemon juice, water, vinegar. You wash the meat, you let it soak overnight and then clean it off and then you can cook it. But I find in Caucasian culture, you just take it out of the package, you throw it on the frying pan, you're done. But it's interesting because um, I'll find that my friends that are that grew up that way, if they're at someone's house, they'll be like, wash the meat. Like my Caucasian friends will be like, what do you mean wash the meat, right? Instead of saying like, hey, you know, in my family we wash the meat, this is why we do it, or do you do this? Right. We don't explain that and understand those differences. Like well, and, pointing fingers and judging. Right, and the judging part, and like we we make uh, we make it wrong instead of just allowing it to be different. Is, is kind yeah. Of like I don't got time to wash my meat, <laughs> and I don't even eat meat anymore. Right. It's interesting because um, one of my friends who's Caribbean is so ingrained in him, and he's a vegetarian. So if he's even taking tofu out of the package, because he deems that as like a meat, he'll be washing tofu. Wow. But it's what gets put into you as you're growing up. And I think that's a lot of things that cause us to not live courageously, right? Right. We think it's bad or to not come out of our shells because like Bob Proctor does a really good job of calling it paradigms. Right. We get stuck in these things and we think this isn't right. We can't do this. And even with coming out with my depression, my, on the Caribbean side of my family, it was like, you have no reason to be depressed. You're living in a first world country. Right. And so I had to really be okay with the fact that, no, this is how I feel inside. I literally want to die inside. And, but if I don't tell you it and you don't accept that's how I feel and help me with this process, it's not going to get better. Right. Well, and I, I love that you say that. So the reason like we kind of got off on a little thing is um, I was talking with another gal um, who happens to be black and she was telling me about a book called Black Pain. Uh, oh. and the, the subtitle is it just looks like we're not hurting. And so I don't know if you've heard of that. It might be something you might you take. No, I actually identify love that with. idea. Um, but she talks about the very things that you're sharing. She's like, you know, we just didn't talk about our emotions and especially as kids we just didn't it wasn't privy our, our yeah, kids don't have to be sad or mad. yeah and so as i'm hearing you talk i just was taken back to this previous conversation and that book black pain it just looks like we're not hurting but i think also like that that may fit very culturally you know to to the black culture um and maybe others as well because we were talking about a lot of times we don't allow kids to feel what they feel. We tell them to like toughen up and and to you know just shake, <laughs> shake it, it off, off, and, it right? off. <laughs> right? So saying, wow, you know that pro- did that hurt or letting them express and then letting them be okay and moving on or not okay. So I yeah, that kind of just kind of sparked those thoughts in me. And then I thought, okay, so let's talk about you have this experience and you start experiencing anxiety and depression, what were some of the side effects of that um, beyond feeling like you, your feelings didn't matter, that you, you probably didn't matter, what you'd like to didn't matter? Um, what were some of the, the side effects of those things? You know what? The side effects, the biggest one for me actually was I lost my identity. Oh, yes. So That's a biggie. Yeah. Like I, I felt that if I fit in and that everyone liked me, I wouldn't feel the way I felt inside. And unfortunately, it's funny because it's like, so I don't really drink alcohol now. I have like maybe two glasses of wine a year. I mostly just say I don't drink alcohol, but every once in a while you just want to try a sip. Yeah. But when I was younger, I really just wanted to fit in. And you know, the cool kids were drinking and it meant you went to the club and you got a new outfit for the club every week. And (laughs) You know, it's funny. I think I made more money when I was younger, but I spent it all on like new oh. outfit for the club. Like, to in. <laughs> right. And it was like, you got drunk, you hung out with the bad boys, you did all these things, even when like deep down inside, you didn't feel like it, but it was, Hey, I'm getting attention and it's distracting right. me. I but know it wasn't point. the right kind of 
attention. Right? Right. I love that point right there, that it wasn't the right, the healthy kind of attention. No, like when you, so for example, um, I was from like 16, 17, cause I got a fake ID to about <laughs> 20 and legal drinking age here is 18, but to about 25, I literally was at the club like three to five nights a week. Wow. And I'd still go to work. I didn't really work jobs that were going to help me get better because that would interfere with partying, you know, and I'd be helping people like while they were going to school, but the party still always came. I ended up, I was playing basketball and I tore my knee. And I, so I tore my MCL and my meniscus inside of my knee. You hear me so? Yeah, that's, okay. that's lousy. And so I ended up on crutches and this like special custom brace. But I still had people asking me to go to the bar because this artist was here, or that artist. And yeah. I was like, I can't even make it the three stairs into my apartment because I was on the bottom of the building. Gotcha. And um, so here it is. I have hundreds and hundreds of friends, right? You know, you've got your 2,000 friends on Facebook. Right. You got the people, you know, you always got someone to pick you up, take you to the club. You always got someone to buy you a drink, you know? And, um, here I was literally broken and there was nobody there. And that was, that for me was one of like, there was a few different big points where I was like, I got to get my life together. Right. But that was a huge one because there was literally only three people out of these hundreds of friends who came to visit me directly. Everybody else was messaging me like, why aren't you coming to the club? You're being lame. And, one friend came to pick me up to go to a movie and I was in like sweatpants and a hoodie and I was wearing like, I got went and got men's sweatpants to like cover up this brace I was in because I was so embarrassed about it. And she was like, oh, you couldn't even at least like dress up a little bit. Wow. And Aha this moment. is me thinking this is my best friend. And I was like, well, you know, like not like, hey girl, you know, you're still beautiful with that brace on. It was like, you're wearing sweatpants, like we can't do anything after. And it was, I had to start, I started getting really angry. And that's when my panic attacks actually got like to the point of hospitalization oh, wow. because the chest pain would be so bad. I actually thought I was dying. Like, right. So and, in, that, in that moment, really quickly, in that moment when your friend comes to you and she says, hey, you're in sweatpants? Like, was that a, like, did you find yourself like in that state of like, oh my gosh, this is supposed to be my friend and this is how she's treating me. Or like, how do I get out of this? How do I still stay cool and sound popular? And You know what? It was uh, my inside, like, you know, the little heart, like, you know, if you're watching, yeah. like, tiny twos would happen. But I wanted to play it cool. Right. And, okay. um, but when I got home, it made me even more sad. Definitely. And I was holding it all still inside. And that's when, um, cause I'd done, like I had, when I was 18, my best friend passed away and that was a big issue for me. And I kind of started dabbling into some self-help, but you know, it wasn't cool. So it kind of got pushed to the back burner. It would be something I kind of did in secrecy, you know, pick up a good book. Right. And at that moment, my panic attacks were so bad. My health was so bad. I was so emotional. I felt so alone that I dived into it. And it was uncomfortable and it was awkward, but it was what I needed. Right. Isn't and it interesting I needed, how, sorry, is it interesting how uh, we hide the good things for us <laughs> so yeah. that we can stay cool? Right? You know, like, no one can know I'm reading this book, right? Like, oh, how to be happy. Like, <laughs> and, and it's funny because now I'm the opposite. Now I'm like, oh my God, you got to read this book. Like, <laughs> right. But it wasn't cool, right? Like, that wasn't going to get you a boyfriend. That wasn't going to get you the ring or the drink bought at the club and um i literally was holding myself back so that i would look good to other people okay. and all of these things were just adding on to my emotional state and not in a good way of lifting it up but burying it down right and so it's my knee still actually gives me issues but my knee injury was one of the best hit on the heads i could have had and once I heard a saying and it said, God hits you with a metaphor, but when you don't listen, he hits you with the two by four. <laughs> okay, wait, say that, say that again. Okay. God doesn't, 
God first hits you, hang on, God first gives you a metaphor. And if you don't listen, he hits you with a two by four. Uh, exactly because I can identify. Yeah, I've definitely been hit with a few two by fours over the years. <laughs> right. And then you look back and you're like, darn it, there was all these warning signs. Like, <laughs> why did I see this? And so, so so was the knee was the knee more the metaphor or the two by four? The knee was a two by four. Okay. Because the knee shook up my entire life. My knee helped me. So at the same time, I was working in a very toxic work environment. Um, I still call that manager to the day, the Nazi boss. Right. Uh, Like she literally, how she treated you was based off her dating life kind of thing and her body issues. And if she was having a bad day, everybody was crying. Like she'd be coming around yelling at you for no reason until you cried. But I accepted that because it was this job. And, um, so that I actually had to take time off work because of how bad my injury was. And I was like, why am I putting myself through this? Like I went first course I went to was this relaxation and meditation course because my doctor was like, you need to figure out how to breathe. So you stop ending up in the hospital with these panic attacks. Mm, I love it. And you start doing this and I'm reading my books at home and I'm not at work. So I have even more time to read books and I'm seeing, I'm reflecting so much about how, part of the reason that I feel like crap inside is because I'm surrounding myself with crap. Ooh, that's a big lesson. That's so, a big lesson. Yeah. You know, like I was in a workplace that made me feel like less than a human. I was with these friends that unless I did X, Y, Z, I felt like less of a human. I was consuming copious amounts of alcohol. I was, um, dating guys that unless I looked like their image weren't loving me. Right. And my image of love had got so misconstrued. And so it was in that moment, like I can't even, it's crazy. Cause I always think of a moment as like a, you know, walking to your car, that's right. 10 seconds. And this moment was like a good six months of identifying. Um, and it was like, I thought I figured it out. And then a week later, there was something new I had to figure out. And it was interesting because that journey in the sense of my knee and having to go through the, I've got it figured out just to realize a few days later, I don't have it figured out, helped me so much when I went into business. Because like, as you're coming out with your courageous story, you know, even the technical issues we had today, you're like, I got this. And then now we're having technical issues. Right. We we think as soon as we think we've got it when we're going through the entrepreneurial journey we learn another lesson whether it's about ourselves or other people or our clients or our business and you're like ah that was so obvious but at the same time it wasn't obvious because either you weren't ready to learn the lesson you weren't open to learn the lesson or it just wasn't supposed to happen yet oh i love that okay say that again we're gonna we're gonna make that one of our our test points for this you oh gosh okay you're, you either aren't ready okay. or, aren't in, or, or it's just not right. time. The timing is not right. Oh. And so when you went, like being courageous is so many different things, right? Like Absolutely. being courageous is coming out about like sexuality, being courageous Absolutely. is coming out about your emotions. Depression is coming out about your health. You know, sometimes people have cancer and don't tell anybody because right. they're so scared of it. But being and you know being courageous is going into business going trying something new every time we do something that's not our regular monday of going to work nine to five coming home and watching netflix we're being courageous but until we accept that and understand it's a process it it sucks (laughs) like it's not easy right and i appreciate you saying that because you know i think um as a younger person i had that as a you know be courageous men I had to wear a cape or be a superhero or this like totally extraordinary person when in reality you know I tell people I'm an everyday superhero which means yeah. which means I wake up in the morning and I put my pants on and I eat some breakfast and I I I, I say thank you when my feet hit the floor and I, I I open my heart as much as I am able to in a day and I open my mind and I say all right 
what's the lesson today? What is it? And I try to just right. focus on today. Now I'm human. So, you know, obviously. Yeah, some days I say lesson. I don't want you today. Like right. I didn't get a good sleep. <laughs> yeah. And so I love that you just brought that point out, but that courage has so many different faces and masks. And, and, and when I say masks, it's different identities. It doesn't yeah. have to be this like superhero thing. It's you and it's me stepping into the challenge of every day. And well, uh, I appreciate you saying that. Um, Edward Snowden said it amazingly. I went and saw him. Well, not him. It was like the robot version of him. And they like oh. Skyped him in from Russia where he's hiding. And he said, everyone wants to say I'm this hero. He's like, but I'm just an ordinary guy willing to do something that should be ordinary. But for some reason, we've deemed it extraordinary. Right. And he, it was funny because he's talking all this tech stuff, you know, like, make sure you protect your passwords and cyber. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> and, and then he said that, right? Like someone was like, why did you do what you did? Like, why did you release all those documents and take the chance and know you were going to have to literally flee the world? Right. And he said, because to me, it felt right. Oh, he's like, like but that. somehow <laughs> in society... And I'm paraphrasing here, but yeah, he said sure. somehow in society, we've determined that we have to think twice about doing the right thing. And then when someone does do the right thing, we make them a superhero. He's like, but if we all did the right thing, we'd all be superheroes. Right. And I, and I love that. And I think that's part of what this whole platform of living courageously exposes is, is exposing everybody as a hero. Yeah. That, that we all wear that cape every day if we choose to. I mean, we have days where we wanted to stay in the closet, and that's that's a okay. We're not. It it's perfectly fine. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. It just means you may not be quite ready. The timing's not right, as you said, to face those things. You might just need a little extra resting time or or time yeah. to build the strength. And so, if if that's where you're at, people like it's totally okay. And you um, know what? Sometimes the first step, even, is to if you're not ready to come out. Or uh, like whatever it is, well, you know, if you're trying to come out in business, life, personal, sexuality, yeah. whatever it is, encourage someone else who is. So instead of trolling somebody when they're like, hey, this is what I'm doing, give them a light, give them a heart, tell them right. you can do it. Because just knowing that you help them on their journey and seeing them succeed helps you on your journey, even if you don't see it. I fully agree. I fully yeah. agree. 100%. Again. That's the other part of this is is opening the door, sh you know, sharing our stories of opening the doors for ourselves so that we can open the door for other people. To be yeah. Able to it's scary. It's, it's so scary. scary. Oh, my gosh. You know what? I um, when I was doing one of my degrees, I took a research course and I had a teacher who said we could research whatever we wanted. Ooh. I hated that. I'm like, because, I, was like, I was like, well, what's going to get me the highest mark? Because even though I was bad at school when I was younger, as I got older, I liked learning. And, but I also wanted the highest mark. I was like, listen, what's going to make it so I pass this class? Because I'm going to research some, like, how to make a good pie. <laughs> and so I was, like, scrolling. You know, you can't sleep at night and you're, like, scrolling through Facebook, like, letting your brain rot kind of thing. Uh -huh. And I found this Good Living article, and it was about women who said they regretted having their child. Oh, wow. That and, Wow. Yeah. And so, and like, I don't have children yet. I am the coolest auntie. Oh, hey. <laughs> not that, not even a little. And, um, but I still, I was really at the point in my life where, like, I'm still kind of there. I don't know if I'm going to end up having kids or not. And coming from like a cultural family, I, it's still like, when are you having those kids? Every family dinner, I know I'm going to hear when you have a kid. And, but I didn't know. And so I'm reading these women's stories and they're all, all of their kids are at least over 20. And their reasonings were also, some of them were, you know, they're, they were raped and then they, the child came from that and they wish they had had that option. And some were like, you know, I had the child to keep my marriage together and the marriage still failed anyways, or all these things. And they said, it's not that they don't love their child, right. but they know that at that time, if they had had their child at a different time or didn't have their child, they could have gave their child more love or a better life or been something yeah, because they hold this spirit. Yeah. And so I was like so touched by this article. I ended up doing a research paper on childless women, wow. but all of the comments were people going, 
we shouldn't have even posted this. All these women clearly have, um, uh, I'm forgetting the name of it, like the depression you have post. Oh, postpartum? Yeah, postpartum. But like all these women clearly have postpartum and all, so whoever those anonymous women were, whose names were changed, are now seeing all of these people write, right. you're a horrible person, or you need to admit that you are suffering. But like postpartum is really done after two years. So after, if your kid's 20, 30, 40, and you're still wondering, then yeah. And, but you did it because you felt the pressure. And so instead of, you know, encouraging these women to say, it's okay if you don't want to have children, we're giving them crap. So all of us who are thinking the same thing inside need to comment and say, hey girl, hey boy, go out there and get it. Follow your heart. I love that. Well, and... So just kind of like circling back a little bit, you talked about as you got a little bit older, hiding the self-help books and then eventually just saying, this is, this actually works for me. What does that say? To me, it felt right. And yeah. you started going forward with it and, and changing your mindsets, healing your heart, healing these things um, to the point that now you coach and, and you're an inspiration to other people who, who experience the same things and you have, you don't only have one book, you have two books, if I remember correctly. Well, there's a second one on the way, actually. I'm okay. doing, yeah, I'm doing a, so uh, my first book's kind of more my journey and what worked for me and what didn't work for me and why, with the last few chapters focusing on people who have never experienced depression or don't understand it or don't understand how to talk to someone, how to talk. I'm excited to read. Yeah, like I wanted to put that in a relatable format. Right. Um, so with this next book, I found as I'm going through this entrepreneurial journey that so many of us think that it's finances that stop us from being an entrepreneur. But most of the time, it's our own head. And most of the time, we're like, I am friends with so many different female entrepreneurs. And my joke is, if you don't cry in the corner at least one month to once a week, <laughs> like you're doing it wrong. Like <laughs> if you're not like, what the fuck am I doing? Right? Like, like you need to accept, like you need to go and like buy the four pack of tissues if you're about to become an entrepreneur because you're yeah. gonna cry. Yeah, you're gonna have your days. <laughs> yeah, but no one sees it anymore. Instead we see these like blasts on YouTube. Get rich quick, sell on Amazon. It's easy. You'll never feel any pressure or you need a million dollars to have a business and people don't know about all the resources that are available to them. Like I'm doing a booster right now, which is the kind of Canadian equivalent of a GoFundMe okay. for my next book. Gotcha. And because I want to just take like all, especially women, I do like a predominance in women because that's kind of my jam, you know? Right, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> Mine too. Um, yeah. About what we, what that entrepreneurial journey actually looks like what to expect and what um, industries actually exist. So I just found out there's someone here who bought a baseball team and brought it to our city hey. because she liked baseball so much. So now I'm trying to like get a hold of her because I think that's really cool, right? Like if someone likes baseball that much, that could be their business. Right. And learning how to make your passion your business, but also understanding too that it's okay if you don't want to make your passion your business because there's an artist I know and she turned her business, you know, uh, taking on contract work and she ended up disliking painting. It wasn't fun for her anymore. She felt all this pressure. So what she did was she also liked shopping and she made a vintage store and then that's her business, but her paintings, her hobby, and she still kind of gets like a a second type of ingo. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't take away from the thing that gives her her release. I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's go to your book really quickly and talk okay. about five five of the lessons that um, that you learned one while writing or that you share inside the book that you feel like would help um, people listening to this podcast, whether they're and – and I'm going to use the term entrepreneur lightly. Okay. And, and say that an, an entrepreneur, some of us do choose business. But an entrepreneur can be like a mom, learning how to just seriously be a mom. Momming is hard. <laughs> yeah, and momming's way hard. But that uh, we all have some kind of entrepreneurship. That it's this journey of not knowing, and and the journey of like moving forward, telling no, or whatever it is. Yeah. But um, what are five things? 
the important steps or lessons that you've learned that you feel like our listeners in their journey of living courageously exposed would benefit them? Um, the first one is keep trying. Love like it. we get so mad at ourselves if the first book we pick up wasn't the right book or, you know, we committed to reading five days a week and we only read five days that month, yep. you know, like keep trying. And if it really just like, doesn't feel right. Like, you know, you, no matter what you do, you're not doing it good or at least like a little bit good. Try something new, but also, but also know that it's a journey. So there's the four steps of learning. And sometimes I mix them up, but it's like, first, you know, you don't know and you can't do it. And then it's, you know, you can't do it or you still know, you know what you're doing, but you still can't do it. Right. (laughs) And then it's, you can do it, but you're doubting yourself. And then it's that you can do it and you know, you're doing right. And so there's like different like definitions that make it sound better, but you know, let's say it's six years in and like, you still can't do it. then maybe it's not for you, but (laughs) if it's one week and you haven't, you know, written a book in one week or, you know, taken over the world in one week, it's a learning building in a single bound. Yeah. You know, I'm still trying to walk to my car without getting out of breath sometimes. Like, <laughs> I just have one word of advice to you. Keep trying. Yeah, keep trying. And um, the, the next one is embrace the tears. Oh, my like, gosh. I love, love, love that one. I am not a crier. Like, and I don't like crying. So when I cry, I'm, like, getting angry. I'm like, oh, I'm crying. Right, we want to but, judge it. Right. But I, it's literally like, um, I think it's Rumi says it's like your soul releasing the toxins out of it. Yep. I, so, I just, what I tell people is, is tears are healing. It's a movement of energy. It's a relief yeah, to refresh yourself. Right. Basically. Especially when you stub your toe. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like let the tears happen, but understand why they're happening. So whether it's like, you know, tears or angry, whatever it is, let it flow out of you and understand why it's flowing out of you because sometimes you can pinpoint it and sometimes it's the things you need to happen so the shortest version i can give you of this story is um whatever journey you're becoming on you're going to lose friends you're going to gain friends and i thought i was at the point in my life where i kind of lost everybody i was going to lose and i recently just lost someone who had been in my life for a really long time and a really big point and it just became they wanted me to choose between my business and them. Oh, that's, that's hard. Right. And so they, there was just, there was no wiggle room. It was either you keep doing what you're doing and I'm not going to be in your life or you come back and we hang out like we always did. Right. And for me, that was like five days of crying because I felt like I was in this rock in this hard place. And I was mad that I was in this rock in this hard place. And I'm mad that I'm crying. Right. And, <laughs> Uh, but as, as I was crying more and more and more, which I really wish there was another alternative, but it's crying. Uh, it was like my, my mind became clear and like everything became clear and it became clear that it was okay to lose this person in the pursuit of my dreams because my dream is to help people and my dream makes me happy. It makes me want to get out of bed. And so if I have to put all that aside to keep one person in my life, yeah, it sucks, but it's okay to walk away. So it still hurts, but I swear that five days of crying or like 10 days of crying got most of it out. And do I still have moments where I'm like, oh, I kind of miss her? Yes. But when people message me and say like, hey, your book really helped me know I'm not alone. Your book gave me really good ideas for self-help. Like watching you speak on stage empowered me then I know it was worth it. Did it suck? Did it hurt? Yes. But those tears helped me release it. I love that. I think that's just like really sound advice. And, and again, it's something I I express to people as well. So I'm so happy that's your number two. How about number three? Number three, hang out with you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Can we do that? (laughs) Like, uh, I love like, you're such a great example of just keeping pushing the comfort zones. And um, so no one knows this. We actually met through LinkedIn. Cause like I'm actually, I'm in Canada. Like we have snow behind me right now. Yeah, ours, and, ours is coming. Okay. Yeah. No, ours is like 
cold. I want to like cry in the corner. <laughs> um, and, but you messaged me on LinkedIn and we're like, Hey, I saw what you're doing. Do you want to talk? Right. And you didn't make me feel like you were trying to sell me something like right down my throat. You're like, I just want to know more about you. And I'm on this journey. Right. And, um, too often either we don't message somebody in a world where we can message anybody all over the world or we message them and we're like, buy from my business today. <laughs> and then we're mad that they didn't buy from their business that day, but we don't know who they are. Right. And I'm really, I really appreciate you saying that because, and that that's what you felt because that truly was my intent. It like, uh, do I have things that I could sell? Absolutely. I do. But I really was interested and getting to know you because it's, it's one of those things where I stretch my boundaries and live courageously exposed. And it has been such a blessing because I get to meet people like you. So thank you for um, feeling that. Yeah. Like honestly, find someone who you think is super cool. You know, Jennifer is a great example. I'm a great example. <laughs> and follow them, see what they do, get tips, reach out to them. Most of us out there, that are on journeys are nice. We're not going to be like, don't message me. Why yeah. are you asking me that? Like, unless you like ask me like something really weird, like what's my <laughs> blog size or something, then I'm going to be like blocked. <laughs> right? Oh but it's like, if you're just like, hey, I don't even know how you did it. Like we'll give you as much as we can. Like sometimes I have to tell people, like if they ask me for help writing a book, I can give them some free tips. Right. But I'm like, hey, you know what? People pay me from this point on. So this is all I can give you. And I know sometimes people get upset about that, but if I do that, then I can't pay my bills to keep learning. Exactly. And I think that's a really, yeah, I think that's a really important thing to understand is that we love giving, but we also love um, living and paying our yeah. bills and, and having the experience so we can continue to help people. And for those of you who may be interested in writing a book, um, Odeon has a course. We'll announce it here in just a minute. And in the notes, I'll make sure that you have a link and all of that so that you can find her if you're interested in, like, you've seen what she's like. She's exciting, yeah. you can hear it in her voice. And for those of you who may get to see this, like, she's a beautiful soul. And uh, I think it would be an honor to work with her. So we'll make sure you get that information. Yeah. Next, Odie, tell us what your number four tip is. My number four tip? Yeah. Okay. You know, um, can I say expect the unexpected? I, I know yeah, I've said that already. Yes. But, um, Okay, I'll give you another example of this. I like examples. I'm a big metaphor, simile kind of person. I am too. I am too. Me and my brother, so I have a twin brother. We spent most of our lives competing against each other, <laughs> fighting against each other. Like, we actually hospitalized each other multiple times growing up. Right? <laughs> like, we were not nice to each other. That's a podcast for another day, folks. Yeah, like, you know, like, if you have twins, what to actually expect and not what Instagram shows you. Like, <laughs> and... Uh, so we are going, um, and as I've been going through this journey the last few years, me and my brother's connection has grown a lot more. Oh, I love like that. at first he was like, I joke that my brother's a grump. He really is like the kindest soul, but he puts on this like grumpy exterior. And, uh, so at first he came out grumpy. Like he was like, duh, 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 duh. like just do, do the normal thing, you know? Right. And don't be writing about personal stuff. And he, he was like, my brother was yeah right like exactly you know he's like just i just don't understand why you don't work for the government like that's that's my brother and somehow through this journey we've grown closer like he's seen the tears he's seen the struggles he's seen me like just tell him like stop being a grumpy jerk like he's seen it and we've grown to a point where we're so much closer and we almost need each other now oh i love that so and that was something I never expected to happen on this journey. To be honest, I expected my brother to stop talking to me. <laughs> uh, because it happens. I mean, it does happen. Yeah. And like, uh, there was a few family members where I really thought they wouldn't talk to me anymore. And they were closer now. And then there's some who I thought would have my back. And we're at odds now. So, and so the unexpected. Yeah. You know, you, you don't know what people are going to think. And you don't know what's inside of them. So just accept however they come at you and know that you always need to come your way. So I guess that would be like my next tip, like always come in a way that feels true to you. So show up in a way that feels true to you. Yeah. Like, and show up, 
you know, um, I went to a networking event and it was a learning networking event on Saturday. And um, last week, remember when we were talking, I was having an allergic reaction. Yes. So I was talking on the phone with Jennifer, you guys, while I was having a massive allergic reaction. <laughs> like my eyes swelled shut. I almost needed an EpiPen. It was bad. That's right. She was and, waiting in line for a prescription, in fact. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, oh, I'm just trying to survive another day. <laughs> and uh, so I had this networking event and I still like my face is finally back to normal, but I've been like, <laughs> and so I'm at this networking event, but I didn't feel like going and I had promised a couple people I'd be there. I'd already bought my ticket. So, um, I love ponchos to me. Ponchos are like, you can hide in the corner and be warm and fuzzy, right. or you can like power walk all fierce. And it's like, you got a cape. <laughs> I love it. The cape. So I, uh, I, you know, I made sure I was like, you know what? I have to go. I committed to this. It's just like, I'm just, I'm still not a hundred percent, but I was in the building. And so I'd kind of like put my poncho on and then I'd get drink too much coffee and then put on my cape again. But when someone did approach me to talk, I made sure I gave them a hundred percent. And that. normally when I'm at a networking event, I'm approaching people, I'm getting to know people, you know, it's all flowing, but I was kind of doing my corner thing. But if someone came up to me, I gave them a hundred percent. And at a networking event, I don't recommend hiding in the corner. <laughs> I recommend showing your true personality. But if your true personality that day just really needs to be in bed, that's a-okay. And the people that you're supposed to talk to will come up to you. And I love that you just said that because it, you still showed up in a way that was authentic and genuine for you in that day. And, and I love that you said, I did hold back a little bit. Uh, I would imagine just as a conservation for your own wellness and health in that day, but that when someone came, you gave them 100%. And I yeah. think that's really what it's like. We don't always have to be the one out there. Um, I'm going to use the word extrovert, being the extrovert. Um, yeah. I think that if we can just, uh, introverts, for those of you, you know, power to the introvert. We need your two. That's me, actually. That's I'm me. an outgoing introvert on that's the spectrum. Me. Yep, I, I call myself an omnivert. I function really well as an extrovert. <laughs> I know, but but truly, it's I, I require those quiet times and uh, times in nature. But when and I'm how do I say this? Like when you're with me, you have me. Unless yeah. I'm really not feeling good or distracted, and then then I just get to practice apologizing and and uh, <laughs> you know teaching those lessons as well. So I appreciate that you said that because we're not going to have days where we're always feeling at 100%. No, not at all. And remembering that it's 100% of whatever that day has in store for you. So it's how you show up. So I'm just going to recap those. Um, okay. The five lessons from Odin are one, keep trying. Um, embrace the tears is number two. Number three, hang out with me or Odin. <laughs> uh, find someone who, who you find really cool and then follow them. Expect the unexpected is number four. And number five, show up in a way that feels authentic and true to you. So just showing yeah. up. Just um, show up. Just show up. That's right. Odin, I, this has been such a pleasure. And um, I actually, as I'm thinking, like, I, I look forward to doing this again because I have a feeling we're going to get Well, to you, we are doing it again because you're coming on my podcast, remember? Yay! That's right. We talked about that. I'm so excited. Yeah, you're going to show up. Um, it's the daily grind, everybody. She'll, I'm sure Jennifer's going to let everybody know when she's on it. We're going to figure out some logistics. Absolutely. Um, and get her onto the daily grind. So on my that podcast, I talk about the journey of being an entrepreneur, the struggles, um, a focus on the mental health and what we do to do it. And every day I'll post for three to five minutes about what I learned that day as an entrepreneur or my tip or what's something that I'm going through or excited about. I love it. So we're going to exchange podcast information here, and I'm really excited to come and, and uh, podcast with Odeon on the Daily Grind. And so are you okay if we give your email address out? Is this the email I have the best one to reach you with? Yeah. So people, um, I'm just my name on social media. Anyone can reach me on any platform. Um, and I'll and put that in the notes. Yeah, they can get a, pretty much any platform. You can get a hold of me. Uh, sometimes it might take me like a day because I'm very present with people and I try not to be on my phone, but um, I get back to people on that and they can email me or. Perfect. And for those of you who are, who are like have this dream or desire to write a book, Odeon does have a course. And um, do you have, she'll give me the notes or the information. I'll make sure yeah. to the notes. 
So they can get 50% off the course if they listen to this podcast and they love you. (laughs) 50% off? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And we'll give you a code that you can use. It's actually code courage. It's not a secret. Uh, But we'll make sure that you have that information. Uh, You can also reach me at thejennifersaunders at gmail.com. That also will be in the notes. Odin, thank you for being the amazing person that you are. Thank you for embracing the anxiety that you got to experience and that you may still get to experience and and the journey that you went on of discovery and, you know, that you came out of the closet of, of hiding the self-help and realizing, like, the amazing soul that you are. And and I, I just want to say thank you to all those who you've helped. I, I'm sure it's many and the many more that you'll get to help either through this podcast or through your books and, and your speaking. And I hope one day that we get to be on stage together. Um, yeah. Then I'll look forward to another podcast interview. Um, any Any last words? Um, I don't know. You know what? I, I had such a good time. You know, it's our holiday up here. It's our Thanksgiving I'm and I'm Thanksgiving. thank you. So I'm just so glad that I got to have like another moment of gratitude in my life and get to spend it with you and your amazing podcast. So to everyone who listens to this, um, keep listening, keep believing in yourself, keep dreaming, keep being courageous, whether it's with your emotions or with your business, Go there and kick some butt. And if you need help, me and Jennifer, just a call, email, text, media platform away. That's right. We're here to help you. So if you have enjoyed this episode or any part of it, I invite you to share it with two people today, just two, and help us spread our platform and assisting other people. Um, and in so doing, helping us, we look forward to um, bringing you more good. Oh, my gosh. Let me just tongue tie that whole thing. Let's just start that over. We're living courageously exposed here. This is this is live broadcast, folks. We look forward to bringing you more amazing content and amazing people. And until then, go be great. And remember to believe in yourself when no one else can.